This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 1215, an excerpt from the book, The Craving Mind, From Cigarettes to Smartphones to Love, Why We Get Hooked, and How We Can Break Bad Habits, by Judson Brewer. And I'm Justin Mollick. Welcome to Optimal Living Daily, or the OLD podcast, where I read to you from some of the best blogs I can find and get permission from, and actually sometimes books like today. Dr. Brewer is one of the world's top neuroscientists, a psychiatrist, and the Director of Research and Innovation at the Mindfulness Center at Brown University. He's a leading authority on how our brains form bad habits and addictions and the specific tools people can use to overcome them. You can find him at judsonbrewer.com, which I've linked in this episode's description. Now let's get right to it and start optimizing your life. An excerpt from the book, The Craving Mind, From Cigarettes to Smartphones to Love, why we get hooked, and how we can break bad habits, by Judson Brewer. Giving feels good. For those of us who get fired up when we see injustices in the world, many might feel like righteous anger is a good thing. We may feel that getting up off the couch as we shake our fist at a politician giving a speech motivates us to vote. Watching YouTube videos of police brutality may motivate us to join an advocacy group or do some community organizing. We may also wonder what would happen if we didn't get angry. Would we just sit on the couch like a lump? On my anger meditation retreat, I noticed that my habit was not helping me get concentrated. I started to become less excited about it, disenchanted, and as a result, noticed that I had a lot more energy freed up to do other things. Why? As probably all of us can relate to, anger is exhausting. On my retreat, this repurposed energy went to a less distracted and yes, much more concentrated mind. As the direction of anger died down, I was able to bring the proper conditions together to drop into a very concentrated state, one that stayed on point for up to an hour at a time. That was a welcome change. What helped this? One of the factors that I mentioned in the last chapter that is needed for concentration is joy. Again, not the agitated, restless excitement but a joy that felt expansive and tranquil. If anger or anticipatory excitement move us in the opposite direction, what types of activities foster joyful states? At some point in my meditation training, I learned what was described as a three-step graduated teaching that was part of Theravada Buddhism. It started with generosity, moved to virtuous conduct, and then only after those were practiced, one practices mental development, as in meditation. The insight that tradition and others offer is that if you go around all day acting like a jerk, it'll be hard to sit down and meditate. Why? Because as soon as we try to focus on an object, everything that was emotionally charged from the day will come marching into our head, making it impossible to concentrate. If we come to the cushion not having lied, cheated, or stolen, there is less garbage to take out, as Lee Brasington, a meditation teacher specializing in concentration practices, likes to say. If this is the second step, what about the first, generosity? What does it feel like when we're generous? It feels good, as in an open, joyful state. It is suggested that practicing generosity may help us learn what it feels like to let go. We're literally letting go when we give a gift to someone else. Yet not all generosity is equal. What happens when we give a gift expecting something in return? Does it feel the same when we donate a large sum of money with the expectation that we'll get some type of recognition? Do we get the same satisfaction when we hold the door for our boss or a date with the intention of impressing her or him? In an essay entitled, No Strings Attached, The Buddha's Culture of Generosity, Tanisara Bhikkhu highlighted a passage in the Pali Canon, three factors that exemplified the ideal gift. Quote, 
The donor before giving is glad, while giving his or her mind is inspired, and after giving is gratified, end quote. This sounds a whole lot like reward-based learning. The donor is glad, trigger, while giving her mind is inspired, behavior, and after giving, gratified, reward. Let's break holding the door into two scenarios. We're on our first date with someone and want to make a good impression. We go out of our way to hold the door. If we're hoping to get some signal that we're doing a good job, reward, we might expect the door holding to garner a thanks or you're so thoughtful, or at least a nod of appreciation. If we don't get that nod, it doesn't feel so good. We expected something and didn't get it. In particular, this can explain the burnout among those of us who are constantly helping others but return home exhausted, feeling unappreciated, like modern day martyrs. Now, on the other hand, if we truly selflessly held the door, what would we expect? Absolutely nothing, because we weren't looking for a reward. It wouldn't matter whether they thanked us or not. Yet it would still feel good because the act itself provided an intrinsic reward. Giving feels good, especially when untainted by an expectation on the back end, no strings attached. This may be what the passage in the polycanon is pointing to. When we selflessly give, we don't have to worry about buyer's remorse because we aren't buying anything. This intrinsic reward leaves us feeling gratified, laying down a memory to do this again next time. Now, there are lots of scientific studies showing the health and wellness benefits of generosity. Instead of describing all of the details for you now so you might be intellectually convinced, why not just try the experiment yourself? This is one you can do without an MRI scanner or double-blind experimental design. The next time you hold the door for someone, see if there's a difference in your felt experience of happiness, joy, warmth, etc., between when you had an expectation versus when you did it selflessly. Does this help in learning how to properly read your stress compass? What types of rewards orient you toward versus away from stress? You just listened to an excerpt from the book, The Craving Mind, From Cigarettes to Smartphones to Love, Why We Get Hooked and How We Can Break Bad Habits by Judson Brewer. If you want to learn more about Dr. Brewer's book, you can find it on his site at judsonbrewer.com. That's linked in this episode's description and at oldpodcast.com. But I'll leave it at that for today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for being here and listening to me and for being a subscriber of the show. And I'll be back tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.